Hi, everyone. This is Ron Jolson, and you're listening to the Christian Fellowship Community Forum podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, very, very excited to be with you all tonight. Uh, today, as you know, is Good Friday. I wanted to read something really quick. Uh, Kate Cruz texted me this morning from Colossians 2, actually, uh, verses 2, 13 and 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. And it's just super great to be able to, to celebrate that today and have uh, have this Bible study, this national Bible study with Mark Cool and, and Bill Hole. But let me introduce real quick, uh, Bill. As you know, Bill, I've introduced a, a lot. He's an unbelievable person and pastor and author, and he's kind of the, uh, the spinal cord of kind of our biblical teaching uh, uh, here with it, within the Christian fellowship community. But he's authored over 33 books, over half a million copies. He's taught in over 50 countries. I mean, he's just, you'll hear him. It's just really, really a gifted teacher and lecturer. Uh, in 2017, he was the Oral Roberts University Alumnus of the Year. He's got an amazing pedigree, and we're really fortunate to have him so invested with Northwestern. Uh, let me introduce Mark now. Uh, and I can't, Mark is one of the people that when I just see him, I will smile because he has that effect on everybody. He's just an amazing, amazing person. I've known him for probably 10 years, ever since he started making Forum at a young age, very young age, I should add, and has built an amazing business at Northwestern Mutual. I mean, he's made Forum over 10, uh, 10 times. His GDC from zero is well over a million five of GDC, he's just growing significantly. He does an amazing financial planning practice. I was actually surprised when I read his bio about all these letters after his name, because <laughs> CLU, CHFC, CASL, RICP, CFP. I didn't think you were that smart, actually, but yeah. evidently you are. Um, super, super great. Uh, very smart, great sense of humor. But one thing you may not know about Mark is that he is a bourbon aficionado. And I wanted to, it's a little early to, on a Friday, but I was wondering, Mark, if you could tell me, this is a bottle of Weller. Is this antique, something that you antique would, well or red? Yes. So is this a, is this something that you would approve of? Oh, 100%. I, but you know what? I, I'm not as uh, discerning as some people might assume just based on knowledge. <laughs> they have a green label, blue label, orange label, white label, black label, red label. And there's none of them I would like throw off the bar, you know, for looking at me wrong. But yes, you will. Uh, I tend to be a high proof guy because it's an efficient strategy. So yeah, you'll like it. <laughs> All right. Well, very good. There you go. Uh, he's married to Kristen. He has three boys and one perfect daughter. And I'm going to turn it over to Bill and Mark. And, and again, Mark, thank you for being with us today. Really appreciate it. You got to say that's the first time that I've started anything. And it was about bourbon. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So I want to say Bill Hall, PhD, Tweedledee D. Okay. Now <laughs> let's start. You know, today we, it's, I want to get Mark on here as quickly as possible. And we're so privileged. And thank you, Mark, for being with us today. And today we're talking about finding your identity in Christ rather than in your career. And I would think that it, all of us in the news, if you read the news, watch the news, 
Identity is a big thing. You could say, in fact, in America right now, we have an identity crisis. And some people say, you know, old timers, maybe like me, would say, you want to know your identity? Look in the mirror. Other people would say, look in your heart. Today, we're going to look into the Bible. And we're going to do that with Mark. And so, Mark, speaking of identity, why don't we begin with yours? And that is, tell us about your background and your faith journey. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Um, I was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Lord, Lord willing, I'll die here. I, I love Louisville. I was, I'm one of three boys, Matthew, Mark, and John. So uh, my parents were not the most creative namers of humans, <laughs> but uh, there was no Luke. We did have a Boston Terrier named Luke. He got out and unfortunately got hit by a car. So when people used to say what happened to Luke, we would like deliver perfectly deadpan that he passed away and people would freak out. My mother would not think it's as funny as we did, but I lost gospel. Yes. Yeah. I grew, grew, grew up uh, one of three boys, went to the university of Louisville, found Northwestern mutual there via the internship at the end of my freshman year. So I've been here ever since I'll, I'll turn 39 in June and simultaneously celebrate 19 years with Northwestern. So it pays to get started early. Um, I've been married to Kristen for 12 years this May. We have three future men, as I like to affectionately tell them, and uh, one daughter. She came at the end, which was awesome. I was raised in the Lutheran Church, which for those of you who are practicing Catholics or, or Reformed Catholics is kind of like the Bud Light to Catholicism's Budweiser. Um, you know, I, I looked at my Bible this morning, and it turns out that yesterday in 1994 on Monday, Thursday is when I took my first communion because I still have this Bible that my parents gave me on September 28th in 1993. And um, the Lutheran Church was great for building spiritual discipline. We were there every Sunday. We were in youth group. But it's kind of been very interesting on my faith journey that in college, uh, probably not for all the right reasons and more to impress what I assumed to be my future in-laws that turned out not to be. I started uh, going to Southeast Christian Church here in Louisville, and that was really the first time that church went from kind of religion to a personal pursuit of a relationship with Jesus, and uh, it really changed everything. So I, I don't begrudge my upbringing in the Lutheran Church, but I, I can definitely see that whenever you get out of kind of the spiritual discipline, sit, stand, sit, stand, do this, do this, do this to a pursuit of um, like whose you are, not who you are, but whose you are and uh, the, the pursuit of becoming more like Jesus daily. So that's that's been 19 years at Southeast Christian, the last 10 involved in uh, men's ministry leadership. And, um, you know, I tell people all of the time, like I, the more you dive into your faith and your relationship with Christ, the more it can make you feel like a beginner Christian. But I'm pretty happy uh, to still be a beginner Christian at this point. Great. Well, quite interesting. Uh, Mark, how would you define identity since that's what we're talking about today? Yeah, I think these are the first things that you think about when you think about yourself, right? We're we're short, we're tall, we're in shape, we're out of shape, we're a mother, we're a father, we're a husband, brother, sister, we're an insurance producer, we're an investment producer, we're a financial planner, we're a retired managing partner, we're a current managing partner. And identity is the first thing, in my opinion, or things that pop into your head whenever you think about yourself. And most of us have been playing those tapes so long in our mind that we need to be really careful because um, those tapes can either breathe life into you or they can be lies. And um, that that can become a real 
a real problem. And so I define identity both as what you think first about yourself, because you're about the most important outside person outside of Christ you're going to talk to. And then number two, you know, what do you think people think whenever they, they think about you, that can also be your identity. All right. So now uh, throughout your life, uh, you've had a certain sense of identity. Uh, my, and, and certainly probably has changed since you were a child and then you were an adolescent and then you mm-hmm. were a student and then now you're in business. Uh, you were a, a child growing up in a church. Uh, you had a certain spiritual identity. So how has that developed in your life? Tell us more about that. Yeah, that's a, you know, it's been, um, once upon a time, it was like, hey, you're you're Mike and Bobby Cool's son, because we grew up in such a close-knit church, and my parents were so involved. I, th- I have to ask my dad, but I'm 39 years old, and at least my earliest, or will be in June, my earliest memory, at say five, he was teaching Sunday school. He's still teaching Sunday school. So for a long time, that identity was, hey, you know, I'm Mike and Bobby Cool's son. And then I had the luxury of playing in an unbelievable um, high school football team. Long before it was cool, we would travel around the country and play these USA Today top 25 teams in Texas and Ohio and Florida. And for a team for Kentucky, it worked out really well. And so then I think my identity was, hey, this guy, you know, starts at at Louisville Male High School, you know, and then I got to college and, you know, joined a fraternity. And so there was a component of, oh, this guy's a Sigma Chi. And then I joined Northwestern and, oh, this guy's a, you know, a number one intern. And then, you know, you become a dad and it's like, oh, this guy's a dad. You become a foreign producer. And, you know, it's funny is when you list out all the things of how people perceived you or what you thought your dominant trait was or where you found your self-worth, um, it, it, it wasn't until much later in life where I realized, you know what I really am first foremost is a child of God, you know, created in his image. And to the extent that that's true, Bill, then nothing else matters. And to the extent that's not true, then nothing else matters. But how does it work in the business world, uh, being successful and people thinking of you as this person who's very successful, uh, how does this relate to identity in Christ? When you when you talk about identity in Christ, how does that help you? How's that? Why is that meaningful to you? Well, I'll tell you why it's meaningful to me because I am. I am. You know, we are. We are broken humans that live in a fallen world, right? We we know this from the gospel, right? And all gospel is God breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, and rebuking. So if you believe that's true, so if you believe the Bible's true, uh, we're broken people who live in a fallen world, and so our pursuit of things, um, our politics, our checkbooks, our production records, um, those. You know, the places that you're most confident in life, which is often where we find our identity, is like the devil's playground. And so the best thing that has happened to me is years ago, a guy came into my office and at the start, I thought, wait a second. I thought that this anesthesiologist referred me to this anesthesiologist. Well, this guy's sitting there in a sweatshirt. It's not dirty, but it's an old sweatshirt. He's got jeans and I am no slave to fashion, but he's got jeans on that look like they're 30 years old. He's got these white new balances that he's clearly cut grass in. So we go sit down. It turns out he is a partner in this anesthesiology practice. And I'm asking him all these questions and he's giving me kind of ambiguous answers. And he just said, Hey, I I don't mean to sound, you know, um, 
trite about these things. He said, but like, I'm not long for this world. I'm living for something much bigger than what God's entrusted me with. So on one hand, I do care. And on the other hand, I'm not too concerned. And I mean, Bill, you talk about like, be the gospel wherever you go. And if you have to use words like that might have been the most direct message from God I think I've ever heard in my life because I walked out of there and thought, you know, and the guy never became a client. <laughs> but I remember writing him a note after the meeting and just saying, hey, I, this is probably going to seem like I'm trying to suck up to you, but I think you just changed my life forever. And now today, almost nine years later, I know he did because that was um, after making forum the first two years, that was the, the only year that I missed it in this run up. And I was really feeling down on myself. And when that guy said that, it just made me step back, Bill, and realize, you know what? He's right. All of these things are going to go away, right? Like we're supposed to be storing up, you know, riches in heaven, not here where they're going to rust. And it just helped me realize that if what you do for a living becomes who you are as a person, you're in some extremely dangerous territory. And so this one kind of throwaway comment from this guy, although it's clearly what he believed, it wasn't rehearsed, was whenever I took a hard pivot and said, you know what, I'll probably make form again. I'll maybe make the top 20 someday. I'll likely have more money than I need, but I don't care anymore. And it it wasn't quite, you know, being blinded and falling off the back of a horse and getting my name changed, but it was about as close as I've had so far. Interesting. Now, um, what are some of the idols that pop up in a life of success and a life of trajectory that you move forward? And, you know, what are some of the battles that you encounter with this identity in Christ and identity and other kinds of things that are so attractive and so seductive? Yeah, I, I well, maybe an easy answer for me, because unfortunately, I feel like at certain times I've flirted with all of them and sometimes simultaneously. I mean, you can you certainly can have the idol of production. I mean, we are we are built in a culture which I think is healthy, but just like anything when done to excess can become unhealthy um, that. Hey, look, we know what everybody's doing all the time. You know, we know how much premium Keith Wagner's doing. We We know how much. GDC or investments people are doing. And so you you have the idol of I identify with my career, that career for us, we're lucky we can we can do, you know, good financial or do well financially by doing good by other people. So then you got the money component, right? Because you look around your peer group and you go, man, you know, I think I'm probably making the most out of my peer group. And so then you got the money component outside of just the prestige of your job. And then sometimes you can even have the parent idol, right? Some of us forget that uh, we're raising our children to release them. And the, and the person we came into this arrangement with is still going to be there when the, when the lease is up on the kids and we send them out. So you can find the parenting thing. Uh, it can be fitness. It can be your social media life. And they're all around us. We live in an ever increasing world where rather than being others focused, we're, we're kind of growing this narcissistic culture. And so I, a lot of people think when they look at the 10 commandments bill, like, Oh, well, at least I'm not violating the idols. Cause I haven't poured any, you know, liquid gold calves lately and, you know, danced yeah. around and marched around them. But I would submit to you that that's probably the single biggest commandment we're all breaking. And I might recommend for a second, um, a book called God's at War. 
It's written by a gentleman named Kyle Eidelman, who happens to be the senior minister at our church. But Gods at War is a study of the fact that most people don't think that they struggle with idols in the biblical sense. But in fact, it might be the single biggest thing we struggle with in modern Christianity, because most of us on this call not only have enough, we have way more than enough. And that is the fertile breeding ground for idolatry is whenever you're not as dependent on God as you should be. Yeah, I've always found, Mark, that it's easy to be humble when you're first. When you're finishing first and you're on top, and you can be so gracious to everybody because you know, hey, I'm the best in this room. Yeah. And uh, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's funny. Um, and this is going to be our challenge when we leave today. So nobody leave when I tell you the challenge. But um, Jim was nice enough uh, to, to send me a Tim Keller video that's about eight and a half minutes. And at the start, uh, Tim Keller said, we're not really proud of the amount of money we make. We're just proud that we make more money than the other people that we know. And right. so I think how you deal with it is this. You know, I have I, I have three verses marked that um, are ones that I routinely go to. And the first one is Genesis one twenty seven. And I like to joke that if you can ever find stuff in the first chapter of the Bible, you you know, he, he began with the really good stuff. I think the creation story is the most fascinating thing that ever happened in human history. But in Genesis 1 27, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so oftentimes when I'm riding high over something or feeling low when something doesn't happen, I have to go back and say, man, the magnificent maker of this universe created me in his image. So I don't really think that he would care right now that we finished fourth instead of third or that we finished 400th instead of third, because I don't think he wasted his unlimited powers to worry about whether or not I get an extra ribbon at the annual meeting. And then that leads me to number two, which would be Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, we're, we're on Good Friday today and um, I did wear purple because old habits die hard and being a Lutheran kid, you know, we wore purple on Good Friday. Um but if you step back and think the single most selfless thing in the world and, and, and part of finding your identity of Christ is dying to yourself and dying to yourself may be the hardest death anyone has. I think it's going to be harder than the physical death we'll all experience because on the other side of that is heaven. But to think that God has a son that he sent to earth and then that person gave his life being totally blameless so that we could live in him it really then takes you back to how big is my ego if I think I should identify as something other than that. And so whenever I am having those moments, I like to think about that. And then the third verse I would share with people this morning is um, Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians, perhaps the most underrated book of the Bible. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for advance in us to do. Notice it does not say for we are financial planners, for we are mothers, fathers, for we are even brothers and sisters And none of those are bad things. I don't want anyone to get off the calling and go, well, man, if I don't take this Bible down to the street corner outside of my office and, you know, start alienating people from Christianity by yelling at them that, 
like I'm doing something wrong. But if this is all there is, we're in trouble, right? If the things we find our identity in, because most of us, I doubt, are going to immediately say, I am working as best I can to find my identity in Christ. If this is all there is, we're in trouble. Because I had the blessing before I was 30, I got married to a girl who was incredibly beautiful, like made more money than me. I was already making more money than my dad did before I was 30. You know, I was making form before I was 30. And I remember waking up one day and thinking, if this is it, we're in trouble. And I began to realize that happiness comes from happenings, but joy can only come from a pursuit of the alignment and how God created the universe, which was for us to be his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. So that's really where I go. Those three verses, I've, I've, I've got them here. I've got them memorized, but I also have a little card by my speedometer in my truck to just remind myself when I go in and out of meetings, in and out of my own home at night, this is all important stuff, but it is a distant second to why I really believe I was put on this earth. Recently, I just heard about, you know, think about John, this is Good Friday and why it's good is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And his arms are open as he hangs on the cross. And uh, I heard someone say the other day is not his arms are nailed open on that cross. And that's something that we can rejoice in and look forward to this season. Well, Mark, we're going to go in our breakout rooms now, and Mark has given us some good questions. After listening to Mark, how would you define your current identity? Secondly, how would I like my identity to change? And third, what steps could I take to make this change a reality? So have at it great, and we'll be back with you in a few minutes, and uh, Mark and I will wrap things up. You know, whenever we went out to the breakout room, we had the whole state of Kentucky covered. It was just great. And, uh, you know, we came to a consensus, though, and that is, is that you're probably only going to find your identity whenever you're rooted in the word and kind of like working out. There's just a component of doing it right. If you got the instruction manual here and you can't seem to get the thing together or working, but you refuse to go to the instruction manual, you're going to you're going to be really frustrated over time. So it was a great time. Wonderful. Well, Mark, what one thing would you like to leave us with today? I would like to leave you with it. And luckily, um, my uh, our, our good buddy, um, Jim, actually sent it to me. But I'm going to give you kind of and I'm sure we could put it in a follow up. But there is um, there is a Tim Keller video just entitled Identity in Christ. Tim Keller, inspirational and motivational video. Uh, he actually has two that are great. One's 35 minutes, but one that's eight. And if I've learned one thing, Bill, about challenging people to do stuff, mm-hmm. if they click on that 35 minute video, they might think that's not even enough time to ride home and listen to it. So um, it's so concise, but it's so powerful. And um, I would tell you that it's one thing to start to see your own identity in Christ. It's another thing to live it at a point where if somebody said, hey, do you know Bill Hole?" The first thing that they would say is, yeah, you know, he's a pastor, he's a big Christian, whatever you want to say. So keep in mind that um, this is not an overnight journey. Like I said earlier, I feel like I'm a beginner Christian, but um, everything we need to know, you know, is at our fingertips. And um, 
while it's not easy work, there's no more worthy work. And ultimately, just like that anesthesiologist who came into my life said, you know, none of us are long for this world, whether it's to your actuarial expectancy or whether it's to tomorrow on this side of heaven, there's going to be so little that we understand, but God sees the world in 4k and we see the world in 2d and wonder why we don't understand his plan. So rather than waste time questioning it, just continue to dive into it. And little by little, I think you'll notice that the trappings of this world start to affect you less and less. And that, uh, again, you're no longer looking for your happiness and happenings, but you can find that joy that can only be produced through connection uh, with your relationship with God. So it, it, in no better time than now, Easter is Super Bowl Sunday for Christians. Don't forget, if this is all true, nothing else matters. And if this isn't true this weekend, then nothing else matters. So use it as an opportunity to invite people to church. Use it as an opportunity to talk to your children, spouse, nieces, nephews, everybody. You know, read the Easter story from the Bible. Don't just assume everybody knows how it happened. It's such a short but powerful thing before you sit down to eat. Do the same thing at Christmas. But I just feel blessed to be in a company that even entertains something like this, much less has now produced it on a monthly basis. So I want to say thanks because it's pretty cool. Yes, it is. And Mark, uh, I'm sure you have much more to say. And uh, in the future, we hope to hear more from you. Thank you so much. And I'm going to turn it back to Keith Wagner. Yes, Mark, that was awesome. Thank you. I mean, I thought the the conversation around just our identity and where identity should be and how we can make changes. I hope it was as powerful for everybody as it was for us. And I'm, I'm sure it was. Thank you for joining us. And for more information, visit our website, www.christianfellowshipcommunity.org. The Christian Fellowship Community is an independent, not-for-profit corporation. CFC is supported by volunteers and through donations from its participants. Neither CFC nor this episode are endorsed by, affiliated with, or promoted by Northwestern Mutual.